Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Taking Social Stock podcast. Taking Social Stock is hosted by me, Andrew. And me, Heather. This week, we'll be continuing with our financial, I guess, financial education series that Mm -hmm. we started earlier this year. It's a four-part series, and this would be part three. So last time, we talked about tracking your spending and gathering kind of what you've done on an average month without a budget. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we started out with smart goals and then went to looking at things like giving examples for seeing what you're spending. So we talked about the Mint app. We're not endorsing any particular app or anything. It's just one that we've liked over the years. I prefer pen and paper because that's I love writing stuff down and tracking in that way. And you had a detailed like a Google Sheet, Google Doc that you linked so people could use it as a template and adapt it. That Google Sheet is a budget, but it also had an area to track your spending, which is a way to do it to help you inform your budget, which is what we'll be talking about this week. You have goals, you know what you've spent. Now it's time to turn both of those things into basically getting your finances on track, understanding what you bring in on a monthly basis and what you're spending so you can eventually fit in all those goals into the outgoing money. Yep. So when you start talking about budgeting, one of the first steps that I would recommend is to take what you spend on an average month, what you've calculated, and start with that as your budget. If you have overages, which means you're spending more than you're bringing in, find the areas you think you can shave out the most to get it on par. So dollar in, dollar out. So you are counting for every dollar. Beyond that, though, you're going to want to start tracking or figuring out the the things that didn't occur in that month. So there could be spending such for us, we pay our trash bill every three months. You have to start thinking about those other incidental bills or those infrequent bills or holidays, for example. Holidays, anniversaries, things like that. Those things can easily sneak up on people. I know they do for me, for us. Uh, I typically am the one to handle those kind of things. And we've missed plenty of gifts, which is, you know, it's it's more of the sentiment behind it, missing those things because not tracking them. So it helps for a couple of reasons. One, you're planning for the spending part. And two, you're remembering those things. And I would say also for holiday spending, thinking through, I think a lot of people in general know who they're probably going to spend on during the holidays. So Christmas, Hanukkah, things toward the end of the year, but might forget about those things like secret Santa, white elephant parties, things like that, where they may not be a ton individually, but they add up. And if your budget's tight, is is there going to be that money there? Do I have to now put it on a credit card, Mm -hmm. which now is creating a debt? So it's a way to avoid those times where you you have to go outside your budget. If you pre-plan for it, it helps you level out your spending. So maybe that month you you really want to buy someone a nice birthday gift and you can't put as much towards accelerating or paying off a debt or saving towards a vacation, which is fine. You know, it's your money. Prioritize it how you want. Something you love doing, which is planners. Mm-hmm. Planners are, I think you probably do this. You go through and you like to write out birthdays, I think, or at mm-hmm. least I've seen you do it. Go to your planner, look at, you know, what birthdays you have coming up and however much you want to spend per person's birthday. You can just pre-plan that in your budget for yeah. months going forward. Yeah. And of course, put in Christmas, those kind of holidays where you spend a lot. One that I know we spend a bit on because we host 
is Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving actually can be a pretty big expense yeah. on its own just from all the food and other things you might do, decorations. So it's a way to plan for those expenses so you don't blow your budget. Yep. Yeah, and thinking about like uh, you have the holidays, birthday celebrations kind of things, big events, milestones. Uh, also, maybe you want to account for weddings because sometimes you might mm -hmm. be planning. You don't know how many you'll be going to, but plan for how many you think you might be attending and how much you want to set aside because gifts for weddings can become pretty expensive quick or travel associated with mm -hmm. weddings or uh, holidays, things like that. And then also thinking about like the home or cars, things that uh, there are inevitable, inevitably going to be that go amiss in the home or in, if you own a home or in your car. So pre-planning for that as much as you can, setting aside some dollars for when something does break. Exactly. Yeah. When we bought our home, we had been renters forever. We didn't have a lawnmower. We mm -hmm. didn't have tools. We didn't have um, a, we didn't know how much upkeep a home would take. So one of the things I did right away was basically start, because we built a budget when we bought the home, planned all that out. And I set aside, okay, I think we will need this much money every month for either tools or repairs. Mm -hmm. And kind of was a way to mentally accept that I'm going to have to buy a saw or a sledgehammer, things that like you really don't need that often. But when you have a home, it comes up like just the random things you do around the house, you're going to need a ladder. While each of these purchases, I mean, they're big purchases, a, yeah. a, a drill yeah. is a hundred bucks, a ladder is a hundred bucks. You, you can't necessarily go out and buy them all right away. But if you budget for it, you can buy each one as you need it. Yeah. You have that pool of money set aside. And then also the money you're not spending is going to cover those when the water heater goes out and you have to have someone come out. So it stops you from having to go into your emergency fund for those things that you know you're going to have some expense every month related to this possession you own. Car, such as oil changes. It's a way to budget those into your monthly spending. Yeah, and it really helps. And it helps with uh, when you have a little bit of cushion like that set aside it really does pay for peace of mind. I know that sounds cliche, but that can make a huge difference when you're having to do extra projects or spend time taking, like setting appointments, having people come into your house, appointments for your car. Um, it's one less thing you have to worry about. Of course, those bills can always be more than you expected, but mm -hmm. to me, the whole purpose of a budget is to start to bring some peace of mind to your personal finances. If you have an idea what's coming in, and you have an idea what's going out, and you're accounting for the reasonable unforeseen events, it, it will really take off some of the stress of managing your money and looking at your bank account. Absolutely. So going from there, one thing to really keep in mind with the budget too is it's an evolving process. When you make your first budget, it's never going to be 100% accurate. And as you start tracking, I think your spending habits improve when you start paying attention to it. So you're going to want to look at your budget every month and evaluate where the spending actually went in your comparison and where you can start making adjustments. Maybe you under budgeted for groceries or car repairs, but over budgeted for your whatever your utility expense or your insurance expenses. Those should be pretty fixed, but just give you an idea. So you can start adjusting and fine tuning it to really make sure you're maximizing your income. And it's, it's going to be, this is something I did this weekend when I was shopping. And it's so, it's so 
well, not even whimsical. It's so small, but for example purposes, I picked up Oreos and and then they were like four bucks. And then I debated back and forth, do I want to get the Oreos or not? And it wasn't, thank, thank goodness, you know, like it wasn't make or break if we spent the four bucks, but it was really what were, what were the Oreos symbolic of? And I was like, we have sweets in the house. I have ingredients where I can easily make cookies and very quickly. So is this something that I really want to spend $4 on right now when I have the things that I can do that's going to just take me about 10 minutes worth of time for prep? But I think part of that was thinking about the um, the budget is like training yourself to be like, what do we have at home? What do we already have? Do Is this really going to serve a purpose right now? Of course, yeah. Whenever you go shopping, I know Heather does most of the shopping. But a general tip is, you know, look to see what you have in your fridge, in your pantry before you go out. If you maybe think you need to pick up granola bars, but then you look and you have a whole unopened pack, you know, that's four or five bucks that you don't need to spend this time. Sure, granola bars aren't going to go bad, but if you're trying to maintain your budget, if you're buying things that you don't actually need, it throws it out of whack and it's going to mess up your budget planning down the road. So those are the little things. Um, I did started with, um, just this weekend I did this where on my notes on my phone, the little notes app, I just went through the fridge and had like a a note called refrigerated and listed out the items we have. And then I started doing that with the freezer, but then we started watching a movie. So I need to go back Mm. to that. But I started with the fridge because those are the things that are more likely to spoil. And it was just a quick look through. We have some fresh green beans for real life example that we need to use them. They look, they were really good. We've already had some of them. Um, but we need to use them soon so they don't spoil. And it makes it easier to create some easy meal plans by saying, seeing what's visually looking at and then documenting what is in your fridge, what needs to get eaten this week. With fresh produce and fresh foods, I would say that is the easiest way on your grocery bill to lose money. Mm-hmm. It is a very important step to keep in mind what you have and what you want to use your canned goods are less likely to spoil, your frozen goods less likely to spoil. So fresh foods are great, but if you are a single person, you're not getting through a ton of food, you know, and you're on a tight budget, look at frozen options, canned options that'll last longer, that'll avoid spoilage that's going to drain onto your budget. If you're not a single person, think about the contentious points of spending for your relationship. So for us, fresh food hat fresh fruit and uh, fresh produce has been contentious for years if real life right i will buy because like you said i do most, most of grocery shopping i will somehow think like no we're really gonna the two of us are really gonna use all this this produce in the next weekend we throw so much away and that has created frustration because like you know, again, knock on knock on wood, we have um, flexible grocery budget. So it's not so much when you get frustrated, it's not so much about the buying the produce. It's about seeing it go to waste, the money that's going into the garbage can, essentially. And there's also that being a good steward factor where it's like, we're throwing food away when a lot of people don't even have food. I also like to... <laughs> let a little out of the bag here make fun of you because you do um you 
are mostly a vegetarian, sometimes vegan, <laughs> and you do it for environmental reasons, yeah. but then when we throw produce away, yes. it just seems so silly to me. Oh, it, well, it is. <laughs> I, I will give you this too. A lot of produce, so if you want to buy apples, it's way more cost effective to buy a bag of apples. Yeah. Apples last a long time, but I don't really eat apples. You don't eat them as often now that we're always home. Mm-hmm. Whenever you went to work, you'd take them. I assume they got eaten, but... <laughs> more often, yeah. A lot of produce, it's cheaper to buy big, bigger packages. So you get a pound of tomatoes for $4, or you can get a half pound for 3 Well, it yeah. just seems to make sense to get the bigger one in case you need them. Those kind of like larger purchases are where it starts to drain because you end mm-hmm. up throwing away half that packet. So really, you threw away $2 versus if you threw away you know, half the other packet, you threw away $1.50. So it's little pennies here and there, but you do that with multiple different foods a month, it adds up. It does add up. And it's it's often, I think, more of a um, a habit than the than the pennies here or there. It's mm-hmm. for that. So that's what I, one of the things I like about a budget is it helps you to identify habits and where that you want to keep doing well and build on or where you want to not do those things anymore. Yep. A couple tips too to help out with budgeting. One would be, to automate, we've talked about this before with uh, some of the others, but automating as much as you can in your saving process. So if you don't have to look at the money coming in, you're less likely to spend it. But also that's one checkbox on your budget done every month. If you have that auto sent off every month, you don't even have to think about it. And that's one goal you hit. That's one area you're not going to miss on your budget. I prefer these to be more things that are not, knowing what you're spending on your bills is very good. I For us, I auto pay almost all of our bills, but it is important to track what your bills cost because those can be an area you're overspending, especially things like your cell phone. And we'll talk about that later. But cell phone, television, those are where you could be spending a lot of money and not mm-hmm. realizing it because it's on auto draft. Yes. But there's other ways to help keep your budget in line, such as the envelope method. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where you're like, okay, so on gr- we're talking about groceries. So on groceries, I'm going to spend $50 this week or a hundred, whatever, whatever it is. Um, for the sake of this, let's say it's $50. So you put $50 in an envelope that's marked groceries and you take that to the grocery store with you. And when it's gone, it's gone. You don't buy any more groceries that week. That's not something that I'm, I might try that again. I've, maybe years ago tried that out briefly and I just at the time if I did I do it I don't remember if I did it I think you thought about doing it I don't know if you you may have done it for I, like a week or something yeah and I don't think I liked it <laughs> I don't th- I I'm I would be willing to try it again but where we are in um this series has really helped me to push myself and the some of the resources you've shared I've really appreciated for myself so I would say for me, I'm not at a place where I want to use the envelope method yet. I'm at a place where I'm tracking my spending to see what's feasible for us in different areas. And then I might I might try it for a month to see what it's like. Yeah, the whole the whole idea behind the envelope method is if you only use cash, you it's a way to avoid overspending. So if you walk into a store and you only have a $50 bill in your pocket, you don't have a credit card or anything like that. It is stressful because then you have to like start doing all the math of like how much is this with tax and all of that, but it keeps you from buying the things you don't need. So if you only have $50 and you know you need to buy toilet paper, some dishwashing detergent and whatever 
whatever food you need for the week. It promotes planning as yeah. well, though. Yeah, it keeps yeah. you from whenever you're in the checkout aisle picking up that magazine or buying Oreos that you didn't really plan on, but they just looked really good when you're there. It, it stops that extra spending if you are on a tight budget. It's a way to really make sure that you avoid those splurge purchases that might be spoiling your budget. Yeah, it makes, and I, that's what I like about it. It makes you pause to say, do I really need this? Um, and if do, if you have extra budget, do I really want this? And if the answer is yes, that's fine. But whenever you're setting yourself on a pretty strict limit, it's clear to identify what are needs and wants as well. And this is something we haven't mentioned previously. Maybe we should have. One of our number one tips for someone who's really trying to get their budget in line and trying to reduce spending is trying to break away from using credit cards. Mm -hmm. Now, Debit cards are great and credit cards have a purpose once you have your budget under control and your income's exceeding your outgoing because of credit. There's, you know, all kinds of things behind that that could be a use for a credit card. You know, if you're traveling, things like that where it does provide some protections for you. But we encourage people not to use credit cards because it's very easy to accumulate a balance on there that's then accruing interest, which is the going the opposite way towards getting your finances where you want it to be, where your income is exceeding your outgoing, so then you have money to save. If you're accruing debt, that's the opposite. So, you know, a debit card, it's easy to overspend, mm -hmm. just like it would be a credit card. It does have a complication where overdrafts, you know, there is that risk. But yeah, we hadn't mentioned that. I thought I'd throw it in because we're talking about cash. But yeah, credit cards, goal is to not use them during your budgeting process. Let's move on to one... The next section here, which is to identify the weaknesses and reduce spending. We touched on this earlier, but this is the revision process. So your budget should evolve every month. And whenever you look for areas, the weaknesses in your budget, these are the areas that you're spending a high percentage of your income or more than you think is necessary to meet your monthly obligations. And they, they're meant to evolve, right? Like... For I started doing this again where I'm tracking how much we're spending on sparkling water because we get a lot of sparkling water and I like it, but I also look at it like, why are we spending that much on, on sparkling water? It's because when I like it, I drink a few a day of the cans typically. And, um, that's such a, it's, it's just at the top of my mind, which is why I'm using that one. But because that's something that's important to me right now and I'm tracking in the grocery bills how much of it is going to sparkling water, we're probably not going to be spending as much on that in the future because it's something we're tracking and monitoring. So that is one way that our budget will probably evolve. The other area your budget will evolve is when you start looking at your cell phone bill mm. and you see, oh, we're spending $200 a month on two cell phones, that starts giving you ideas of areas that you might want to start investigating other solutions. Uh, there's going to be a link in the show notes that talks about some ways to start looking at like your cell phone bill and other bills that you pay, utility bills basically that you pay on a monthly basis and ways to maybe reduce that cost. When we used to sit with families and discuss budgets and things like that, this was an area we looked at a lot was what are you spending on You know, your television, your cell phone, yeah. your car insurance, your homeowner's insurance. Are these areas that you're spending all this money because well, that's what my parents used. So yep. now that's what I use. And I've never looked to see if this is actually the the best option for me. One thing I read when preparing for this episode was for a lot of cell phone carriers, and I've seen this play out. 
a lot of cell phone carriers will have like their three advertised plans, whatever they may be. They often have other plans they don't advertise uh-huh. that might better fit your needs. So like for us, we have an unlimited plan. During the pandemic, we never thought we would be home for effectively you know, a year yeah. at this point. But that is, we have unlimited plans for our data, but we're, we've been home on our Wi-Fi the entire year. Yep. So we're paying for data that we've used basically nothing of yeah. for a year. That's an area that maybe you're overpaying on data. I didn't even think of that. I wish we would have <laughs> considered yeah. that way. Because even like my, um, my, a lot of my social time is taking a walk with the dog <laughs> or not like outside time. And even then I, I almost always listen to a podcast could just download it. So you're not even using mm-hmm. data. Yeah. Yeah. So those are areas that maybe you just haven't looked at, even though it's a big drain on your budget. You know, everyone needs a phone in my opinion, or it's a, you know, it's a pretty important part of life now having a cell phone, but the cell phone plans are really expensive. They and are. There are a lot of options. There's a lot of competition in that space. So it might be a way to save, you know, a considerable chunk of money a month. I think we need to look at that. We do. <laughs> Another one is like car and homeowners insurance. A lot of times I've talked to people and they use, you know, whatever carrier their parents used because they have this great agent. As someone who's worked in the insurance field, uh, basically my entire life, your personal lines agent isn't important. They don't provide a lot of service. I've literally worked in a claims unit for an auto carrier, talked to many agents who didn't even know the difference of coverages. Yikes. Agents don't necessarily provide a lot of benefit and you are paying for them in your policy. So your carriers like State Farm and Allstate who tend to have offices and you see advertisements for the local agent, you're paying that agent to basically just be a middleman on your policy. So that could be an area you save money. Uh, Looking at other carriers, because a lot of them have moved to more, uh, what would you call it, technology-driven services. Mm -hmm. Shop around. You could probably save money on your car insurance the end of the day if it's a carrier that's well rated it's a financially strong company they're going to pay your claims there's a lot of laws out there that protect you so just look make sure you're not overpaying on your homeowners or auto insurance renters insurance renters insurance usually it's pretty cheap but still yep while you're at it and we'll touch on this we're no longer licensed licensed life insurance agents but we only sold term life insurance if you have another product such as whole life you may be overpaying on your life insurance so that's something to look at. You can just research on the internet the difference. So since we're no longer licensed, I won't go into that one too far. But we are strong believers in buying term life insurance. Yes. Buy the coverage you need for when you need it. Whole life and other products like that, universal life. It's a lot of stuff in there that just creates more commission for the yeah. agent, not necessarily creating value for the customer. And just in life insurance in general, we believe in it because I term, yes, for us, but... Um, as a generalization that everybody should have it because funerals are very expensive. They're at least typically $10,000 thinking about, um, life insurance. I don't, I don't know where people stand on this. I think a lot of people probably still who get, um, life insurance through work probably think that's enough. It's not, it's usually uh, not all that much. And it usually doesn't follow you if you leave your job. So thinking about a budget. Yeah, we, we are strong believers in life insurance should be part of it. Speaking of when you leave your employer, a lot of times people don't just, well, some people do just die in an auto accident, things like this. But if you get sick, can no longer work, yeah. and then you die, you won't necessarily get paid by that mm-hmm. workplace insurance because if you aren't receiving a paycheck anymore, it may not continued. 
it depends on the policy. So you'd have to look at your specific policy and talk to your HR. Yeah, that's usually not enough. And usually the benefit levels are pretty low. Yeah, I think the big takeaway from there is when it comes to different insurances or plans, like ask questions, look into the details, understand for yourself. So you're getting, uh, I don't have a better term than this, but the best, the best bang for your buck with where your money's going in your budget. Yep. One other area you might be spending that you should have identified if you're tracked your spending is unused memberships. So me and Heather have both been doing that this week. Um, I had one that I didn't realize turned into a membership for the Wall Street Journal. This is something I got oh, yeah. whenever I was in Did grad school. Yeah, okay. I finally tracked it down. It took a lot of work to track down. Well, actually I haven't because you have to call in to cancel with them. You can't uh, do it on the weekends. Oh, yeah. They're really annoying and they're closed on the weekends. Mm. But tracking down your unused memberships that can be $10 a month at a time. We talked about this last week. If you look through, you probably have memberships to a gym you don't use, to some website you no longer use. Yeah. Or maybe you use it. Do you need to still, are you using it enough to justify that expense? Yes. If, if you're spending more than you're bringing in, that's a good area to start shaving back some of those subscriptions. Like for us, we have Disney Plus, we have Netflix, and we have Amazon Music. So those are like, three different entertainment sources. But maybe if if things are tight, we cancel the Disney because we don't really watch that one very much. We really just watch Hulu, which we get through that. But you know, you could maybe cut one of those and alternate. We used to do this whenever, when our budget was tighter, we would just have one subscription service at a time mm -hmm. and then we'd cancel and then watch all the stuff we wanted to watch on the other one. Yeah. Most of these TV we subscription programs they don't have a ton of new content each yeah. month. Especially in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So you can you can bounce back and forth, subscribe to one, cancel it, then and go to another one. We still do that. Like we did we do that with HBO. We did it for Game of Thrones. We did it recently. It wasn't to watch this, but we watched The Outsider. Really mm -hmm. liked that. But yeah, you can go back and forth. Like that's something that I think we'll probably always do. Mm -hmm. For example, I've signed up for the this was through Amazon but for CBS so I could watch oh. Survivor. But that's where you have to be careful with subscription services. If you sign up and you're done watching it, then you forget to cancel it for two months. You just spent a lot of extra money that you could have avoided. So subscriptions are definitely something that can really start to, to bite away at you. And if you have them in your budget and you're tracking your budget each month, you'll see, oh, forgot to cancel that one. Uh, this is along the lines, but I... I unsubscribed. I canceled a membership to a yoga place this week, yesterday, after forgetting to do so forever. When I went to try to unsubscribe, they tried to entice me with different freebies and like different kinds of memberships for cheaper. Um, so sharing that to say that might be something you even want to Google, like a certain membership. Like if you say you're going to unsubscribe, if they'll give you bells and whistles to go along with that. Because I, I, that was my first experience with that. They made you work to unsubscribe from the subscription. Um, mm -hmm. And eventually I got I got to do that. I've actually taken advantage of that multiple times with Kindle Unlimited, or ah. not Kindle Unlimited, uh, Audible. Oh, okay. So when you cancel Audible, they almost always email you and say, hey, how about three months for half the price? Ah. So a lot, of, a lot of those subscription services will offer you something like that. So if you use a service like Audible a lot, you might be able to squeeze some value out of, you know, seeing what they offer when you cancel. Or if you call them up and say, hey, can you do anything? Maybe they can offer a reduction if it is a service you use a lot. 
And then the last thing we want to talk about, since it's getting a little long here, <laughs> is what to do with the extra money. So say you've worked through your budget and you're starting to free up extra money. You should make sure every dollar is working for you towards your goals. That'll be different for every person. So there are a few things you can do with the money you free up. You can do a debt snowball, which is basically like, let's say you have three different debts, debt A, B, and C, debt A, let's say they're all student loans because we can identify with this. So debt A is a small student loan, debt B is bigger and debt, or debt C is the biggest. You pay off debt A and maybe you're paying a hundred bucks a month on that and you pay that off. Now you take that next hundred dollars and you stack it onto debt B. And then that's so that's more money going toward the principal on debt B. You pay that off more quickly. Then when you're done with debt B, maybe you're paying a total of 500 on that. Then you take that 500 and apply it to debt C. The way that I'm saying it is oversimplifying the concept of a debt snowball, but that gets to the heart of what it is. So if you have your total debt payments per month between student loans and car payments, $500 a month, you and you want to pay an extra $100 towards those debts, and now you're paying $600 total, you target one debt at a time. You can choose how you want to do that, pay off the highest interest first, pay off the smallest balance first. There's little benefits doing it different ways, but whatever makes you feel the most successful is, in my opinion, the best way. If it's paying off the small balance first, go for it. It'll give you a sense of achievement. But you take that $600, you're paying an extra 100 towards debt A, and then when debt A is paid off, you're still paying $600 the whole way through, to all the debts mm -hmm. gone. The other thing, you can save the money. So whenever we used to sit with families, we would talk about the power of compound interest a lot. A simple but complex topic. Basic idea is putting your money to work for you because your regular savings account doesn't earn much interest. There are other ways to earn a higher interest rate, such as investing into a mutual fund, whatever it may be. To give an example, so say you have $100 extra month now in your budget that you've found that you can put to work towards yourself. You're already saving towards your emergency fund. You're saving towards your other financial goals, but you freed up $100 by canceling some memberships. If you put that $100 a month away into a college fund for 15 years, say you have a young child, if you're getting 7% on that money, you'll have $31,000, almost $32,000 in 15 years, which would be a good, it could be the full cost of their tuition, depending on the school, probably just cost probably of two years, <laughs> probably one away, or two yeah. years, <laughs> but that. it is... You know, it just shows what can happen if you're just saving that yeah. money, setting it aside towards a goal. So those are the two things we would say do with money, pay down debt, save more. Those are things that'll bring you more peace of mind down the road for whenever something does happen to rock your budget, such as a major home repair, whatever life throws at you. That way the money is not just being respent into categories that you learn that you don't need. Putting that money back to work for you as you free it up will give you a lot more peace of mind. Yes. You included a few links that I really like. So I'm going to just do a quick highlight of never tried to live on a budget before. So it'll hit some bullet points, things like that, that we've talked about. But for those who are like me and we learn visually, it's nice to have something in front of you to give you kind of a process. There is one that's like a step-by-step -step, um, guide on how to make a budget and it has all sorts of things like write down all the expenses and really bullets them out. And some of the things I don't think I would have considered. Um, and then, or they just weren't at the top of my mind. 
And then the other one is how to negotiate lower rates on monthly expenses. So these are these were really good. There was one in particular that stuck out to me, and it is the it's the student aid link or article that we're gonna link here. And it's got first step, my needs and wants. The example they give is is it a your need or and your want saving for a vacation? Is it a need or is it a want? And then you note that it's a want. Okay, so what's the priority? So one is like gotta have it, two is really want it, and then three is hey, it'd be nice, but eh, that's where that ends. You can write out the things like what do you what do you want need and want, kind of like a brainstorm list, and then see for yourself where your priorities really lie on that. And that's going to help guide your saving, spending, budgeting as well. So I really, really like that and am going to be using that. Good. Yeah. The idea there is simply it identifies which ones are the ones you can let go when mm-hmm. money's tighter. Yep. So that's going to do it for this week. If you have any questions, you can email us at takingsocialstock at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. <laughs>